Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, looking around, I suppose, the topic of just sharing what we've found in Jesus Christ with others. And Pastor Alice preached a couple of weeks ago, which was brilliant. Pastor David was here last week, our Mount Barker campus pastor, and preached a great word as well. I wanna continue on a little bit on that theme today, but let's just pray and then we'll jump into it. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You so much. We thank You for what You're doing amongst us, in our lives, in our family, in our church. We thank You that we can come around Your Word this morning. I pray that we're open and our hearts are soft to hear and receive from you today. I pray you'd speak to each and every one of us. In your wonderful name, we pray, amen. A few years ago now, I had the opportunity to go on a short-term missions trip overseas. And um, had the opportunity to go and volunteer in an orphanage uh, for children who very sadly had been either abandoned abandoned by their parents or, um, and, uh, left because they had, a lot of them because they had a disability. And it sounds awful and it was awful. And uh, the reason why we were told that this could happen is because at the time the government in this particular country wasn't supporting families in any way who had a, a, a child who had a disability. And so parents who were in very extreme circumstances who couldn't care for them or didn't have the means to be able to do that would, would uh, hand their children over to the orphanage or they would leave their children somewhere and someone would find them and bring them to the orphanage. Just horrific situation. But when we got there, we were split into different teams and we were put into different rooms and uh, we were put into a room that was uh, oversought by the government. The other side was oversought by a Christian organisation who were doing amazing work there. And uh, we were in this room and we were gonna serve in here for two weeks and I remember walking into the room for the first time, and to be honest, I probably wasn't quite prepared for what we were gonna experience in there. We walked into the room of this orphanage, it was probably about a three meter by four meter room, and in there was, I think, about eight different cots. Now, I'll give you the impression that the children there were all infants, but that actually wasn't the case. Some of them were infants, but some of them were about seven, eight, nine, even 10 years old in this room. And the reason I say, you know, we're not quite sure on the age is because Uh, Many of the children who came to the orphanage had no paperwork, no birth certificate, and they didn't even know their name. And so they'd give them a name and they'd try to work out their age from their growth and and even looking at their teeth. And so into this room, there's about eight children in this room. And uh, this room was nothing like you'd imagine a child's room to be. If you went into one of our kids' rooms here or went into a childcare centre, you'd see it all colourful and all sorts of things in there to you know, just to spark their imagination and fill them with joy, etc. But this room wasn't like that. It was a very plain room. Just white walls, pretty grubby, and just a plain ceiling, which a lot of them just laid there and stood up, uh, just stared up at all day. On top of this, the children in there were not very healthy. But to be honest, they were very malnourished, some of them. They even developed bed sores on their bodies because their skin was so thin it would rub through as they moved on the mattresses. And even worse than that, many of the children had developed some very unhealthy, damaging habits. 
because they had felt so much trauma from the abandonment and having no one to love them that they developed different habits to create some sort of emotional sensation in, in their body because they felt so empty. For example, there was a, a child who every time he ate a meal, he would try to throw his meal back up again. And the reason was because they said it would sort of release some chemical reaction in his body to give him some sense of, of feeling because he had such an emptiness inside. There was another child who would constantly bite on his hand and his wrist to the point where he, he'd bleed in that area and they'd have to keep bandaging it up because he just had so much emptiness inside. There was another child who had been there for about 12 months and that whole entire time he'd been completely catatonic, he, meaning he was just completely blank. He had no facial expressions, didn't talk, just looked an empty shell. And I remember coming home the first night after being in this room back to where we're staying and thinking, I'm not sure I could go back there. I'm not sure. It was just so heartbreaking. It was just so challenging to see these children in this situation. My kids were at a similar age at the time. But I remember thinking, if I don't go back there, what does that say to them? How does that say to them that they're valued, that somebody sees them, that they're precious to God and God loves them? And so I knew I couldn't, I couldn't stay away. I had to do what I could do in the time that we had. And so our whole team made that decision that we'd just give them our very best in the short time that we were there. And so we'd go in each and every day and we'd invest as much love and, and care into these children as we could. We'd pray for them. We'd confess the love of God over them and we'd try to interact with them. And I was, I just felt the Holy Spirit draw me to this, this boy who, was, who I said was, had been catatonic for the whole time he'd been there, for the 12 months. He, they'd given him the name Woo Woo. And I tried to give him some extra special attention. I tried to, I, I couldn't speak his language, but I would, I would try to encourage him as best I could. I'd try to hold him. I'd try to play games with him. I'd, I'd just, I'd pray for him and just tell him how much God loves him. And, and after about a week of doing this, there was just still no response at all. Just completely blank. He was just so empty. About the middle of the second week, we had the opportunity to go out and take the children out of the room for the first time and go into a play area just outside the building, which was very run down. But the thought of getting out of that room was amazing to be able to take them out into a different space. And so I remember picking up Wuru and holding him in my arms and, and taking him out of the building down to the stairs to the outside area. And we got outside, I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of when I used to hold my children like that and I would just begin to run with them and sort of jump them up and down and how much they used to laugh out loud. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, hey, why don't you do that with him? And so I held him tight. I began to run. I jumped up and down and all of a sudden something amazing happened. All of a sudden his eyes lit up. He got a little smile on his face and he began to laugh. And it wasn't a big laugh, but it was a laugh. And so I did it again and again, and he, he kept laughing and he kept laughing. And the carers there, they just couldn't believe what was going on. They said they've never seen him do anything like that. And the only thing that was different is that someone was just willing to show him some love. 
someone was just willing to show him a father's heart, the love of God. And I wanna encourage you, church, that not only was his, he have a moment where he felt something different, but so did the other children and it impacted them as well. That young boy who was eat and then try to throw his food up, what one of the, our team did is, is every time he ate, she would come and she'd hold him and she'd pray over him and she confess the love of God over him and he stopped doing it. The other child who was biting his hand, the other child who was biting his hand and biting his wrist all the time, we did the same thing. Just held him, prayed for him, confessed a lot of God over him and he stopped doing it too. And I saw in that two week period, I saw firsthand the power of the love of God to impact a person's life. These children who were so empty, so broken, so traumatized by what they'd been through, by not knowing the love of a parent, not knowing that they're precious, that they're valuable, that they were created by God and He loves them. I saw them have a moment where they experienced that love and it impacted them, made a difference in their life. And the only thing that the love of God needed to impact their life was someone willing to share it with them. Someone willing to share it with them. I came home from that trip and you know, it's hard to be not impacted by something like that for the rest of your life, to be honest. But I remember thinking something else. I remember coming away from that moment and realizing something else. I realized that you don't have to go all the way to the other side of the world, to an orphanage, to find people who are hurting, people who feel empty, and are trying to fill that emptiness of void in their life with something else. That there's people in our families, there's people in our homes, there's people in our workplaces, people in our schools, our universities, our neighborhoods who have this void inside, they feel this emptiness, they feel there must be more life, and they're trying to fulfill feel that void and that emptiness with all sorts of things that will never be able to do that. They're trying to find some sense of fulfillment in likes on social media. They're trying to find a sense of, of completeness in some unhealthy relationships. Perhaps they're trying to find it in uh, personal achievements, fame, fortune, notoriety, maybe even harmful substances. But there's people all around us who feel an emptiness, who feel like there must be more to life than this, who are, who are trying to find that answer and all sorts of things that can never give them that answer. Because the truth is that answer can only be found when you open up your life to Jesus Christ and invite Him in. He's the only one who can fill that void in our life and make us feel complete. No matter how many of those things you try, no matter how much stuff you attempt to, to get into that the world offers, it'll never fulfill you. It'll never satisfy, there'll always be this void because that it can only be fulfilled through a personal relationship with Jesus. You know, maybe you're here today and you can relate to that. Maybe you're here today and, and and you feel that sense of void, that sense of emptiness in your life. Maybe you've felt this, this nagging feeling inside. Maybe you can't necessarily articulate it or put your finger on it, but you felt like, I just feel like there must be more to life than this. And that's because there is. There is, but it's only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not found in anything the world will offer you. 
And if that's you today, if that resonates with you, even in a small part, if there's a small part of you that says there must be more, there's something in me I feel like I'm missing, then at the end of my message today, I'd love to give the opportunity to find what it is that you're missing, to connect with Jesus Christ, the one who can come into your life and complete you. Essentially, it's like each of us have this God-shaped hole in our heart that nothing can fulfill but a relationship with Jesus Christ. At the end of my message today, in a few moments, I'd love to pray a prayer with you to start that relationship and find what it is that you've been searching for. But to the rest of us here this morning, to those of us who have given our life to Jesus Christ, who know the truth and the reality of His love and His grace, I wanna remind us that it is so important that we recognise that our God-given purpose is to now share that with as many people as possible to share that love and grace that we've discovered so that they can encounter it for themselves. In fact, I can't think of of a a more, if you like, reason, a, a more important reason why after giving our life to Christ, we still stay here. Like ultimately God wants us to go to heaven to be with Him to live forever. So why after we're giving our life to Christ, don't we just immediately go to be with Him? Well, I think it's because we've still got a task to carry out. There's still something we've got to do. There's still people we've got to reach. There's still people that need to know about the love and grace of Jesus Christ so that hopefully they can come to heaven with us too. In fact, Paul alludes to this very thing in his letter to the believers in Corinth. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, he says, through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. And God gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we can have with him. He's saying when we believed in Jesus Christ, in his death and his resurrection, we became We got made right with God. We got into peace with God. We're no longer separated from Him, but we've been brought back into relationship with Him. The moment we invited Jesus Christ into our life, we were made right with God, but also in that moment, we were given a task. We were also given the task of then sharing that, what we have discovered with other people so that they could be made right with God too. Now, I know when I say that, I know when I say that we've been given a task, of sharing God's love and grace with others that that can elicit within us two simultaneous reactions. The first reaction is absolutely, yes, we know that that's something we should do and it's something that we desire to do. We desire to share God's love and grace with those around us. I I would, I would highly doubt there's anybody in this room who has a personal relationship with Jesus who wouldn't want that for everybody around them, everybody close to them, everybody that they love for them to experience that too. So we know that it's something we should do. It's something we desire to do. But at the same time, there's a second reaction. There's a second simultaneous reaction. And that reaction is that, yes, although it's something we know we should do, it's something we desire to do. It's also something that sometimes we can feel hesitant to do. It can be this hesitation in us to do this. And that can be for many reasons. It can either be because we're fearful of how the other person might react. It can be maybe because we don't know exactly what to say. Maybe we're fearful of being rejected. Maybe we've been disappointed in the past and we don't wanna be disappointed. Again, there's probably many 
valid reasons as to why we feel this hesitation to share what we've discovered with other people. And I say valid because I think it would be unfair to just dismiss them as nothing. I think they are valid. I think there are emotions. They are challenges that we face and we have to deal with in, in wanting to share what we've discovered with other people. And, and so instead today, instead of me trying to remove those things, instead of us hoping they just disappear, how about instead I just give you a truth that I pray will encourage you. And this is the truth I wanna encourage you with today, that when it comes to reaching out to those around us, Christ didn't leave us to do it alone. He didn't leave us to just do it alone. He knew that we'd find it challenging. He knew that there'd be things that would cause us to hesitate. He knew that there'd be stuff that we would find difficult to get past, to share. And so He gave us a special gift to help us. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. A special gift. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is many things to us. He blesses us in many many ways, but one of the key things the Holy Spirit is for us is that He is our helper. He's our helper. He helps us live this life of faith. In fact, John 14, verse 26, it says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and make you remember all that I have told you. The Holy Spirit's a gift from Jesus Christ given to us to help us us live out this life of faith, which includes sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. In fact, Jesus made this super clear for us in Acts chapter one. In Acts chapter one, Jesus is meeting with His disciples for the last time before He ascends to heaven after His resurrection. And in that last meeting with His disciples, He gives them a very important instruction. He says, before you go out and plant any churches, before you start any ministries, before you even share the good news of Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait. Because there's something I need to equip you with. There's something I need to give you. I need to empower you with the Holy Spirit. And then He tells them why. He says, because in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect to the people in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth about my death and resurrection. He says, do you need to wait? I wanna give you the Holy Spirit. I wanna give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? So you can testify about the good news of Jesus Christ with great effect. See, he's telling us that the primary purpose of filling us, of empowering us with the Holy Spirit isn't necessarily just to do miracles. It isn't just to, to uh, uh, see your God-given calling outworked. It isn't for you to just move in spiritual gifts, although the Holy Spirit helps us with all of those things. But the primary purpose of giving us this precious gift is to help us to testify about Jesus with great effect to those around us. You see, I wanna tell you this. I wanna tell you that God has an expectation of each of us. You know, we put a lot of expectations on God, don't we? There's a lot of things we expect God to do. A lot of things that we expect Him to bless us with, expect Him to move in. We put a lot of expectations on God, but God actually has an expectation of you and I too. See, the expectation is that once you have received His salvation, 
Once you've been forgiven, once your life has been turned around, once you have realised that Jesus Christ died so that you may have life and have it abundantly, once you know that you're no longer headed for a destiny of eternal separation from Him, but you have been saved and you're set on a path of living with Him forever in heaven, the expectation is that after that, then you'll wanna live with the sole purpose of working with Him to see others come to know Him too. That's the expectation that He has on you and I. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but only for Him who died and was raised to life for their sake. Do you know, church, do you know the greatest worship that we can give God for what He's done for us isn't necessarily in the songs that we sing. It's not necessarily in our tithes and offerings. It's not necessarily in our serving on Sunday, although all of those things are very important. But the greatest worship we can ever offer, ever offer God, the greatest worship we can offer God is to offer up our lives for His cause to win the world to Him. That's the greatest worship we can offer Him. In fact, Paul writes it. Paul writes in Romans 12 verse one, he says, and so... Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. This is truly the way to worship Him. He's telling us that the truest way to worship God, to thank Him for all He's done for us, is to offer ourselves in service to Him. In other words, to give ourselves over to Him to use as He needs, to reach who He needs with His love and grace. Now, I'm sure if I was to go around this room and I was to ask you to share your salvation story, I reckon that somewhere in that story, there would be someone who shared with you about Jesus Christ. It may have been one-on-one, it may have been in a group setting, it may have been through YouTube or whatever it might be, but I'm sure there was someone in your story of connecting with Jesus who shared with you about Jesus Christ. And that's not surprising because that's how it's meant to be. That's how God designed it to be. See, in Romans, Paul describes to us how someone can come into a personal relationship with Jesus. He says in Romans 10 verse nine, he says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you may write with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. He goes on in verse 14, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is some good news, amen. If you have called on the name of the Lord, if you have opened up your heart, if you've received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, if you acknowledge Him as your Lord and Saviour, you will be saved. You know where you're going, where you'll be in eternity in heaven with Him and the confidence that comes from knowing that is amazing. That is good news. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he goes on to say in the very next verse, but how can they call on them to save Him? Sorry, how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? 
You notice at the beginning of this passage, Paul starts by describing an inward faith. He says, those who call upon the Name of the Lord shall be saved. There's an inward faith. There's an inward confession of Jesus Christ. But by the end of the passage, he's transitioned now to an outward confession. He's showing us the progression of every disciple, of every believer of Jesus, that it starts with an inward faith, I believe in you, Jesus, but it develops into an outward confession of telling others about Jesus Christ. That's the expectation of all of us, of every person who gives their life to Christ, including mine and yours. Yeah, during His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shares with people something which I think is pretty challenging and perhaps even a little unnerving, to be honest. He says to them in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, He says, Not all those who say, You are Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The only people who enter the kingdom of heaven are those who do what my Father in heaven wants. He says, On the last day, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, we spoke for you and through you we forced out demons and did many miracles. And then I'll tell them clearly, get away from me, you who do evil. I never knew you. That's a pretty, it's a bit of a confusing passage and, and a little unnerving, but what Jesus is addressing specifically here is He's addressing the religious leaders of the day. The religious leaders of the day, they thought that they were great, that they were good, but they, they weren't really. And Jesus is pointing this out. He's saying, you know, you, you guys are, are, are preaching about me. You're doing amazing things in my name. You're, you're doing miracles. You're casting out demons. You're prophesying. He said, but you still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, because there's one key thing lacking. He says, you're not doing what the Father wants. He says, you're seeking your own desires, your own will, but you haven't submitted that to the will of the Father. And it seems to imply, Jesus seems to imply that the key indicator of someone who is a disciple of Jesus is that they will do what the Father desires. They will do what the Father wants, not what they desire, not what is their will, not what they wanna pursue, but they will pursue the will of the Father. That's the key indicator of a disciple of Jesus that you will pursue the Father's will. Now the question is, what is the Father's will? What is His will? Well, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and He came to the realisation, to the revelation of what He was about to go through, that He was about to be arrested, He's about to be crucified on the cross, He's about to take upon Himself all the sins of the world, He, in that moment, He begins to pray. And in that prayer, He says these famous words. He says to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. And what was the Father's will in that moment? What was Jesus talking about? The Father's will was that Jesus would die so that you and I could live. And I wanna put to you, church, that the Father's will is still the same today. The only difference is that unlike Jesus, He's not asking us to die upon a cross. Instead, what He's asking us to do is to die to ourselves so that others might live. Die to our own desires, die to our own fleshly will and instead lay that down, die to ourselves, pick up the will of the Father. 
do what's ever necessary to see others come to know Him too. In Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus said these words. He said, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living and if need be, suffering, perhaps dying because of faith in me. See, our purpose as disciples is to die to ourself and instead live with a heart that beats and breaks for what the Father's heart beats and breaks for and that is for the lost sons and daughters to come home, to come home to Him. That, see, the Gospel is a story of a father who's been separated from his children by sin and do everything to be reconnected to them. And our place in that story is to submit ourselves to the will of God so He can use to reach them so that they can come back home to Him. The greatest privilege we have is to partner with God, to partner with God to see others move from eternal death to eternal life. Everything He's blessed us with, everything He's equipped us with, everything He's put in us is to help us to be able to do this. And I wanna tell you, when you go on mission to do that, when you stay on mission to do that, you'll be amazed at how God will move through your life to accomplish it. You know, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks and as I said, Pastor Alice and Pastor Dave have shared so brilliantly around this. And the reason why I've been speaking on this over a couple of weeks is because this is the most important thing. There is nothing more important than this. Now, as we come into this Christmas season, which is a season where we pause to celebrate the birth of our Saviour, it's also a season when, when people's hearts can be a little bit more open. Where people are searching, people are asking, what is this about? Why are we stopping? Why are we celebrating this? Can I encourage us, take advantage of this season. Take advantage of this season. Position yourself to be used by the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm open, Holy Spirit. We don't have to do it alone. We have to do it in our own effort. We may not have all the answers. We may not have all the solutions. But we have the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He wants to save them more than we do. He wants to see their life turn around and change by the love and grace of God. He's just saying, would there be someone who's willing to share? And to see those young children's life to be impacted in that way just required someone to be willing to share the love of God. As many people in our world whose life can be impacted too if we'd just be willing to share the love of God with them. In a moment, I'd love to pray for all of us to pray the Holy Spirit would help us to do that. Help to give us opportunities before the end of the year to share with those around us to see them come to know Jesus Christ. Before we do that, I said earlier that I'd love to pray with those of you here today who, who have felt like there must be more to life than this. You've felt this emptiness inside. You've felt this void. You feel incomplete. And today, you'd love to connect with Jesus Christ. Well, I'd love to pray a prayer with you to do that. Before I do though, I just wanna share one quick thought with you. 
I said before, I just got back from Atlanta. I actually got back on Wednesday night and uh, it was a great time there, spending time with the team and seeing what God's doing in the campuses. And, but I had, a day, I had a day to go into the city and check out a few sites. And I went in there and I took, as you do, I took a few photos of some of uh, the sites that I saw. There's the Atlanta Aquarium, there's the world of Coke, right? If you didn't know, Atlanta's the home of Coca-Cola. Um, and then there was the State Farm Arena where they play NBA. And um, that was awesome. And I came home on the Wednesday night and I was showing these photos to my family and I was trying to you know, express to them all the sights, the sounds and the smells that were in that place and how it, just the, the spatial layout and the atmosphere and how it made me feel when I get in there. And I realised as I'm explaining this to them, I realised it didn't matter how much I explained it to them, they're never really gonna understand it unless they experience it for themselves. And I realise the same is true of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is I can tell you how amazing He is, how He's changed my life, how thankful I am for the sacrifice He made for me. I can tell you about how much trouble I would be in if it wasn't for Jesus. How He's given me a hope and a future. I could tell you for months and months and months of how amazing He is, but you're never really gonna get it unless you open up your heart to experience Him for yourself. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I want to tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past. And His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, He's a friend, and you can invite Him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer, and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe He's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. 
you know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.